you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, at Live on Four Legs Podcast, and on Twitter, at Live on Four Legs Pod. Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and guess what we are back at the beginning of the month which means we are back to our year-long seattle series celebrating the 30-year anniversary of the band every single month this year we are going to have a new episode on a seattle show somewhere in their history last month we did mural amphitheater today drop in the park that is a biggie we're going to talk about a lot of things like corresponding to history here and corresponding to what the band was going through at the time and how we see things now 29 years later 29 years after the fact of all the antics and where this stands among the Pearl Jam shows and maybe the one of the best of all time that can be discussed before we get into that Randy Sobel over here John Farrar over there hello hi um looking forward to it we this is a big one this is a historic one so what's your what's your early early thoughts on this yeah i mean it was it was great to dig into because you know this is one of those legendary ones that just kind of it like we talked about last week with the ice bowl it's a named show you know it's one of those that everybody just knows but you kind of forget some of the details about it when you when it just kind of gets, you know, reduced to that name, you think, oh, drop in the park. Like, I remember that one. That's that's when he hangs from the, the rafter. That's the famous picture. But you kind of 
forget like to, to dig into the actual songs and dig in the details and like why it became that in the first place. So yeah, this was great to go back and listen to. I hadn't, I hadn't gone back and listened to the whole thing in a long time. You know, it was, everybody knows it was featured on that, the 1990, 1992 box set. So I, I had the record and just, it was great to break that thing out and listen to it again. This was, this was great to dig into. Yeah. When was the first time that you actually got to watch it? Was it when you were a younger Pearl Jam fan or not till later when YouTube and, and everything happens um, and you get more technology out of it? Yeah, probably sometime around the late 90s, I would say. Okay. Yeah, like 98, 99 probably. Because some of the footage, and I don't know if that's the only camera shot that we have is the one that's on YouTube, I don't think that that's circulating on MTV at the time because they did Eddie did an interview with MTV somewhere in this and I'm sure because you know you can't get enough of Pearl Jam at the time they're the biggest band in the world I'm sure that they're trying to get as much out of that as possible to see one of the most death-defying acts that Eddie has ever done and to see video of it you would think if MTV had that in their grasp, they probably would have aired it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that iconic, you know, you, you've just seen the picture of him, that, that yellow jacket and the helmet, like, yeah, you just, you've, you've seen that all throughout, you know, that's, that's, that picture's everywhere. And he's standing there and he's, he's kind of like, kind of humble. Like he doesn't really know. He's not really comfortable in the spotlight yet. He doesn't really know where to look. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. So like they're, they're talking to him. He's just kind of like, yeah, he's, he's got that earnest, like, well, he's probably, 25 at this point 26 years old yeah just yeah, just a baby young. and yeah this is this is up there absolutely we'll, we'll get to it we'll talk about it but the there's there's so much backstory behind it there's so much going around it it was i mean at the end of this of that whole summer where they they done Lollapalooza the whole summer they were they were tight as a band i think stone comes on at one point and says oh we haven't played in a week like give us a break like what are we <laughs> we're now in two and a half years almost. So right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a different time. Right. And you have to be thinking in 1991, like how, how is the landscape completely changed from the last time you can say that mural amphitheater show was what 13 months before yeah. this show, yeah. which 13 months is not a lot, but when you look at it in a grand scheme of things and look at, okay, this show was right before 10 came out. And then you you flash forward to drop in the park, and ten is literally the biggest album next to Nevermind. So, you know they were playing a lot of small places, and they were playing a lot in Seattle. And I feel like '92, and and yes, they 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 toured. They did a whole East Coast and Midwest tour in 1991 with the Chili Peppers and Smashing Pumpkins as well. But it feels like. 1992 was sort of their breaking away from Seattle. And when they came back, it felt like it was a real homecoming for them. Definitely. And I think he, he mentions in one of the interviews, like he talks about the okay hotel and the off ramp. And he's like, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I'd love to get, I'd love to get all these people at the off ramp. We know I'd, I'd love to get, get these people at the okay hotel. Like we got to get that thing back. I think it had probably closed at this point. He talks about like getting it, it reopened was. and yeah, it's just, he, he always had that in and that like, that you know the famous quote is he wanted them to be like have a slow burn and be that club band at first but they just they blew up so early and i mean you got to think too i think the jeremy video had premiered and was out by this time i think that was august two so, months yeah, yeah it's so been that, around for two months th that was starting to get in heavy rotation so that just took them to a completely different level 
Yeah, and look, I mean, it all kind of, it's funny because even before all this, you go back to May, and May 20th was the original date where Drop in the Park was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen at a place called Gasworks, and they were kind of expecting anywhere, at at first it was like 5,000 people, which is, is fine, it's manageable, they did that for Mural Amphitheater, but then as days went on, more and more and more people started getting tickets, and since tickets were free, there wasn't a cap limit on anything. So you're getting in weeks, in a in maybe like two weeks span, you're going from five thousand to twenty thousand. And around May was the time that Unplug came out. So they're really they're seriously the biggest thing in the world right now at that point. So they have to cancel the show. And it kind of comes spur of the moment out of nowhere. They cancel the show and it's they, they can't just bring it back because they're about to go and tour Europe right after that. They do that June, that massive June tour of Europe and they can't really f- do any makeup dates before that. So the earliest that they can do is right after Lollapalooza. The whole point of this, I it seems, and nothing is concrete in that. It's just the only thing that's concrete was that it, it was a vote for choice show and they were trying to get people to register to vote. My guess for this, meaning the primaries, get to, get to people to vote for the primaries in May. For September, it has, you know, same idea to get people to register to vote and i think they got three thousand people registered to vote which is fantastic out of almost thirty thousand that showed up that that's really really good number um but at that point you're less than two months away from the presidential election so it becomes even more important at that point it's just funny to me that it took them almost that that's those few weeks, those few weeks where unplug comes out and then they have to cancel the original show because there are too many, there's too much of a demand for tickets and they were worried about public safety. They were worried about transit. They were worried about a lot of different things that would disrupt the city and, and uh, from security to just uh, other liability factors, they could not do this show. Right. Yeah, I think the the Gasworks was not built to hold 30,000 people or whatever. No. Right. No. And at that point, I, I, I don't think, I think 23 was the max that they got. And then you flash forward to after Lollapalooza and they're able to get 7,000 more people. Like, that's yeah. that's pretty freaking impressive. So, uh, yeah, canceled within days of the event. Like, that's pretty crazy. And they're putting this together themselves. All all the finances are going straight through them. Kelly Curtis is probably working the phones and trying to figure out, you know, the right people to contact and trying to, and, and especially for when they did it at uh, Warren J. Magnuson park, they ordered buses and they ordered their own security and they got things. It was all a DIY project straight from Pearl jam. That was the same thing that they were trying to strive for in May and which, Obviously, money's not going to really factor in because they're going to be making tons of money in the next com- coming months anyway. But that that is a financial loss for them back in May. Yeah, and I think they, you know, the original point in May was like, you know, let's have kind of a going away party 
at home. You know, we're going to be gone to all these places all whole summer. Let's have a big party with all our friends. You know, a bunch of different bands play. I think Sean Smith played. Uh, mm-hmm. Seaweed, Pete Droge, who's good friends with Mike. Like, let's just have all our friends have a party, and then we'll leave. And this kind of became a coming home party, like a homecoming. So we've been gone. Let's have a party and and celebrate that we're back. So it, it was it was great that they were able to do it. You know, it, you talk about yeah the the liability thing, and that would become such an issue for them going forward. They, we, how many shows do we talk about where there are safety issues? We did. We talked about those shows in Australia. We talked about those shows in like Taiwan and the Philippines and Japan and things like that, like all throughout that, this is the beginning of all that. And like you said, making it a whole in-house affair, like that would be something that they would, they would take to heart over the next few decades. And now everything they do is in-house. Jeff says, uh, this is PJ 20 book. Everybody go turn to page 94. Uh, it says that taught us a lot about how to put on our, your own show. There were definitely things we didn't do right. The barricade was too small. It broke at one point during Cypress Hill set. We were definitely getting into something we didn't have the experience dealing with, but it was still great. There was definitely a celebratory vibe to that show and relief. It took us took months of us working with the city to pull it off. And then Kelly Curtis comes on and says, uh, quote, even when we did come back later to do Drop in the Park, which took a lot of planning and help, we still barely got out of that alive as far as it nearly turning into a disaster, but it didn't, end quote. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good beginning stages of the band taking matters into their own hands and trying to figure it out. And it's very early that they're they're going to figure out how to get through kind of these disaster situations as as a band and and figure out how to sort of implement safety uh, measures and implement travel measures and and make sure that everybody is is safe and having a good time at their shows because that I I think to them is is the most important thing they they want as many people to pack the house as possible but they have always been about safety first like that's 100 percent there and that kind of you know reading some of the stuff there were mishaps that happened on this that you mentioned the barricade during cypress hill like that's that's one thing uh a few people suffered from dehydration during this uh a woman broke her leg another woman hurt her neck and a pregnant woman needed to be pulled from the pit. Like, yeah, Yeah. just, I I mean, I, I, you can't say that, Oh, this was a different time back then because everybody knows better that, you know, if you, if you're pregnant, don't do things like that. Or, you know, if you see somebody that might be visibly pregnant, take it easy, take it easy on her. But, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe from that standpoint and that mindset, it's just like, I don't care. I, I have a great story I can tell my child when they're born is that they were in a Pearl Jam mosh pit and people, that's the way that people are thinking. It's fucked. Yeah, it's yeah. totally fucked. Don't get me wrong. But that's how some people think sometimes. And you got to think too, I mean, there's, there's a different mentality with free shows than there is with shows that you pay for with, with free shows. Like the ones I've been to some of them over the years and like, it's just a different vibe. You get people that just don't give a fuck. You know, when, yeah. if you, if you charge for something, there's kind of a, there's a responsibility there. There's kind of an inherent mm-hmm. contract that you're making that like people kind of know, I mean, you still, there people still do dumb stuff at, at shows they pay for. I'm not saying that, but for a free show outdoors like this, you're going to get people that just don't care. Like, oh, it's free, you know? Right. Uh, maybe they don't like Pearl Jam. Maybe they don't really like music that much. They just like 
you know, drinking and being around yeah, people and exactly. it could just be a thing to do. And for as mischievous as the youth and Generation X was at the time in the early 90s, like there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Other mishaps that have happened. There were a couple of arrests at the at the show. Uh, somebody was allegedly arrested for assaulting a security guard. And then, get this one. I don't know if you read this. Uh, it's it's not fu- it's it's funny because it's not funny. Uh, somebody else was arrested for allegedly hitting a police horse. Hmm. So yeah, there's <laughs> that that takes a certain kind of person and, yeah. and a certain amount of alcohol to to reach that uh, point. Yeah, a point about especially with the alcohol that when you get to the point where you're punching animals, stop. PSA here, just stop. Yeah, get some help, like the Jordan meme says. Um, if, if Animal and, hadn't already been written by this point, I would have said they could have written it about that. Sure, yeah, for sure. Incident, but yeah. Other things, just thinking about just the city of Seattle and the spotlight is firmly on their city. And around this time, I think it was in the month of September, we get that the single show where Ed is pissed drunk. And they're doing State of Love and Trust. Everybody knows that version of State of Love and Trust. But essentially what I'm trying to get at here is singles was in theaters at this time. So there's a bigger microscope on Seattle than there ever has been. And it's all within what the music scene is bringing to the table. Yep. Oh, this was the point where you every go back to that movie hype. Like everybody was moving to Seattle like every like. You know, screaming trees. Yep, sign them up. Mud honey. Yep, here we go. All right, whoever else. You know, I draw on a blank, but I I used to be able to just rattle them off. You know, all these Seattle bands like Zeke. It was just it was just a hype machine, and yeah, a lot a lot of good bands, and a lot of bands got eaten up and swallowed up by it. But yeah, I mean, it, there's I always think of that scene in hype where they were just putting stickers on the records that just said Seattle, like. Just right. stick it, and and people were buying it. Yeah, absolutely. Right, because they just wanted to, they wanted to see if if that was going to be another breakout band from yeah that are and there and a lot of those bands just suck. Let let's let's be frank about that. A lot of those bands it it has nothing to do with you know just because you're from Seattle doesn't mean you're any good. Yeah, like <laughs> you can still suck even no matter where you play. It just so so happens that for Hall of Fame, amazingly talented bands happen to come out of the same region, which honestly have most of Soundgarden is from Chicago. Uh, Kim and and uh, Hero, I think, are both from Chicago. So that's, you know, a couple migration there. You get Ed migrated and uh, Jeff migrated from Montana. So like, you know, not everybody is firmly from Seattle, but still it's it's where it's all happening chat about some of the interview stuff uh you you watch some of the interviews i i did too and and a lot of it is uh you know this is all uncut it's really really great stuff it's all on youtube i suggest you go and search it, it it's fantastic and ed is explaining why he has the helmet with the 29 on it Number 29 is a friend of mine named Jack McDowell. This is my tribute to him here. Um, He was the first pitcher to win 20 games, and he gave me one of his caps. Um, 
that I wore all through the European tour and the American tour. It was kind of a good luck thing. I always had a good show with it. And um, he seemed to be playing well as long as uh, we were playing well. Ed was just really, you know, really supportive of him. And he was playing for a Chicago team. And I think Jack was making some music at the time as well. So there was a lot going on. They had a, they had a connection. And, um, and then there's, there's funny quotes in this too. Uh, he's asked if he'd ever sing the Star Spangled Banner in a ball game, and he says, Yeah, but I would play electric guitar like Jimi Hendrix, and I'd have it be wireless, so I'd start the song at home plate, and I'd run around and then slide into home to finish it off, and I imagine the crowd would pretty much boo me. It would be a worse showing than Roseanne. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the worst of all time. There's Roseanne, and, and who's... Was it Carl Douglas that had a really bad one? I don't remember. Yeah, he but was I, I know they, Marcus Regler. But so now, like, like you know, Mike has done that for the for the Mariners. He's done and he's gone and played it on electric guitar. Yeah, and then of course Ed's done it in Chicago. So yeah, they've 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 gotten to do it a few times. The interviews are just great. I, I'm just going to defer to YouTube. They're all. They're all there. They're all watchable, and and uh, I recommend you check them out. How about right now, before we get into show, why don't we talk a little bit about Patreon, and then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about the music because that's what we're here for. So patreon.com slash live and four legs if you want to contribute to the show we have three tiers the bonus leg tier is going to get you everything that we post to patreon which means evolution episodes and bridge school episodes set list draft you can be part of a set list draft we released a lot of content this past week why don't you tell them what they can get right now if they join patreon for one dollar a month oh man let me see if i can remember all of it um we had like i said we had our set list draft we had uh, our second uh, Patreon uh, Horizon Tier uh, profile. We got to talk to Kirk Walton a little bit, who was on last week. We had our Evolution episodes uh, on Footsteps that came out. We just had a Bridge School episode from 2006 Night One that came out. And yeah, I mean, I'm probably even forgetting one or two things. It's just been. I mean, it's, that's it's just the last couple week. weeks. Yeah. That's just the last seven days, basically. I mean, we, we've done, like, you know, Devo episodes, which is just basically us just finding a topic and, and, and bullshitting about it. But really, those four things all in the span of a week, that's the kind of thing that we're giving back to the people that give to us. Because the contributions, uh, like, for a podcast that doesn't make any profit at all, these are donations. And they're basically everything right now is going straight into what we're doing with our concert chronology website, which, you know, we're, we're starting to get under, uh, under our feet a little bit here. And we'll be talking about that as, as you know, the days and the weeks kind of come by and we make some progress on that. So like I said, bonus leg will get you everything that's on the platform. The giga leg will get you your own episode. I don't know if you listened last week, but the ice bowl episode, that was Kirk coming on and fulfilling his request you'll be able to get a request as well. You'll be able to fulfill it and talk about any show that, that any of your favorite shows, as long as we haven't done it on the podcast ourselves, or as long as it's not, you know, something that we want to save for later, a Mansfield or something like that, that we need to give preferential treatment to, uh, we, we want to do it. And we actually want to do the more underrated shows anyway, because they, you know, it, it's more specific to you. 
Let's just put it that way. Yep. And and you know and maybe you're a new listener that's like it's going back and like oh did they do the show that I went to? Uh, nobody ever nobody gives that show any respect. Like yeah, hit us up. Like let us know. We'll definitely do it. That's true. Yeah, we that, those are the shows we get excited about the most. Sometimes we'll drop in the drop in the parks and the ice bowls, the ones that everybody knows to keep it fresh. But next week we're going to be doing a show that maybe nobody knows. So that should be equally as exciting as as doing this. I'm actually kind of pumped for that because we'll get to that later. We'll we'll tee up what what that one is. But uh, then you get the Horizon Leg, and the Horizon Leg is $10 a month, and that will get you the profile episode that we mentioned before, and it will get you kind of an executive producer role within our website. That is directly going all 100% the proceeds are going right to the website. And uh, look, if you're interested in helping out with writing, with researching, with, uh, you know, sharing your either photos or if you have merch artifacts, anything that you're interested in sharing with us uh, to help out with this project, hit us up live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, we greatly appreciate the help with that. All hands on deck. This is not just our project. This is a Pearl Jam fan project. So we want everybody, as many people as possible to be involved with this. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it's $1 or $5, $10, whatever, we thank all those people, you know, like we say all the time, it just makes us want to do more and more and more. So thanks to all the people that donate. We, we appreciate it hundred percent. For sure. Yeah. They can't, can't go without saying that. For sure. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you all. And, uh, even if you don't donate and you can't uh, find the means to donate right now and maybe you've wanted to or, you know, maybe you just enjoy listening to the show, thank you guys so much, too, because yeah. you're you're the rock that keeps this foundation going. So, awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, the music is next. Why don't we get into that? Because before the band comes out, we think it's Jim Rose. We think this is Jim Rose that that's coming out and playing the hype man here. And if you know Jim Rose and you know the name you know him by Jim Rose's circus and what he was doing at Lollapalooza. He was basically playing kind of a carny role. And you've seen those Lollapalooza clips of, of Ed drinking the stomach bile. The host of that was all him. Like that's John, you can probably speak to the history of what he's done more than I can. Yeah. He was known. It was like the alternative circus kind of, it was like not necessarily a freak show, but very similar to that. Like, you know, just, weird fucked up shit you know like he was he was big with nine inch nails i think they were they were good friends with him back in the early 90s and yeah he was he was kind of around those those circles and yeah i think just probably after being at on tour with them in Lollapalooza, they were like hey you know we're doing this thing why don't you come be the mc and like he would go on in between bands and and keep things moving and yeah i think he 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 comes on and uh and does a little uh very impassioned uh speech to try to get these people to uh, to move back which which we've definitely heard before but not quite with this flair to it it will not happen if we don't get it together now cooperatively everybody's got the same legs for a second everyone's got the same legs so everybody use your legs and the momentum has to go back when i count to three everybody back one don't let us sound, Pearl Jam's about to come out. Two, I know you can do it because it's fucking Seattle. Three, move the fuck back, move the fuck back, move the fuck back, move the fuck back, backwards, backwards. God damn it, I knew we could trust you. He's very intense, and that's essentially his role, is to be an intense carny. And uh, he's fulfilled it. And then 
a couple seconds later, you get Ed coming back out and he's like, I can't believe we did it. You did it. We're like a rash on Seattle that they never thought they'd catch. <laughs> just the one liners that Ed was able to come up with at the time are just are very classic. He has a lot of very classic lines in this that we'll we'll get to talking about all of them. But um yeah, so again, safety is a huge measure. Obviously, it was when Cypress Hill was playing, the barricade was broken down, like we mentioned before. That's on their minds. That's number one for all this. Even flow gets started. That's the opener for the show. around and breaking into the song and crowd is just tremendously energetic and vibrant like this is this is what you think of when you think of seattle in 1992 this is the exact mindset this is the idea of it and uh really it's it's kind of hand in hand with all blues too because that's the same kind of crowd that's the same people that they're catering to and Lollapalooza had a huge effect on alternative music and lifestyle during during the 90s definitely and yeah you know it, and again starting with even flow it seems like such a weird thing now but that's immediately how you get this crowd in a frenzy like they're not coming out with release they're not coming out starting with wash like they are they are going right into it they, they know there's there's 30,000 people here we got to get them into it from the the beginning they bet they bet they're hot they've been sitting out here all day so let's just punch him in the face right from the beginning and you mentioned ed immediately he's into it and this is the 92 version where that riff really dives up and down and it's it's got that groove to it that it that it had early on and it sounds great yeah and uh you know you're not gonna you're gonna get in the bridge solo it's not gonna be a seven minute you know yeah. mike mccready rock out moment it's gonna be you know straight to the point but it's gonna be awesome like he has some fiery fiery solos oh we gotta talk about mike yeah absolutely he is he is like a some kind of feral dog like waiting to be unleashed (laughs) on like every song they he was like they were holding him in a cage until his tour right before the showtime and then like all right go get him like every like probably there's 10 songs in this this main set here and probably on nine of them he just when he, when he comes on, he just tears it apart. Like he is, he is on another level for this show. one of the most visible aspects of this and watching him just 
just feel whatever he's doing like he was in some kind of mood at that point i think i think everybody in the band must be feeling okay we're home and we can kind of we can just relax a little bit you know we know that we can go back to our homes tonight we know that we can go to our favorite bar if we have to or see our friends like it's such a relaxing feeling absolutely and that's what that we're gonna see that all through the throughout this year when we do these seattle shows like that's such a big part of it and it it, like I said, it, it contributes to that that just looseness and that feeling of hey, let's just let it all hang out, let's just go. That's right. Yeah. And uh, hey, since this is a rock the vote show and getting people to uh, right. to sign up to register to vote, what do we get in even flow a nineteen ninety two version of? It's been a while, but he throws a little "Don't Vote Republican" in there. That, that That's was, right. That was great to hear. I think we back in October we had what four or five in a row. It was pretty much every time that yeah. we did Evenflow because they were all politically charged shows. So, yeah, great to have it back. That segues into Once and... You're just getting vicious sounding ed vocals on once. Like that's very, very early indications that his voice about his voice that he was just kind of channeling some just inner anger. Especially a song like Once that was always kind of meant to be like this. He kind of brings a different facet of it whenever they play it live in 1992. That really it, it, it just channels something a little bit deeper than what you see nowadays, where he's kind of keeping to. A repertoire a regimen on it oh yeah he's he's unhinged i think there's a little spoken intro he's talking about something about the skies and then it's tough to tell the, the, yeah. and then the, right into the once upon a time intro and all uh, that scream at the beginning is it's just classic 1992 like yeah it sounds like he's trying to to push the whole first five rows back a few steps and then yeah. like this is another one where when mike comes in he just takes it over Again, it's just the the energy. It's the energy that they're feeding off, and everybody is just feeling in a way. And obviously, you know, when you're feeling good about things, you're feeling strong, you're feeling powerful. That's a storyline that we can keep in our back pocket for a couple songs later. So uh, at this point, Ed is asking the crowd if they're okay, and he says it's like the OK Hotel times a million. So a little OK Hotel reference thrown in there, which had they ever had they they had played there before, right? Ooh, maybe. I, see, I'm not, I'm not even sure. Yeah, I don't. I, I think uh, maybe it once. doesn't. It yeah, I think doesn't that, sound. That familiar. was more of like a dive bar, I believe. You know, we'd have, our Seattle people can uh, can write in and, and let us know for sure because sure, um, obviously I was on the other side of the country. I mean, but I, I think the that offer was, more was a dive bar. True, true. But so they, you, they graduated from that quickly. That's that's very true. That's very true. Once the and and look, the Seattle scenes sort of formed you know, near them. And then they kind of gravitated towards it. Like when Alice James would headline a show at the Moore theater, they're like, okay, well, we're just going to, since we're friends with them, we're just going to gravitate that way. And then they would 
get bigger and evolve from there. So yeah, you're right. The dive bars were not very long for Pearl Jam. Um, State of Love and Trust and Why Go, the next two songs. And it's unfortunate because the video on YouTube, it's some of it is broken up into pieces where, you know, we get a little bit of even flow, a little bit of once we don't get either of these two songs. So, all we have to play off of is the music, which is unfortunate for this because you kind of get in a groove watching the YouTube video and then going back and just listening to the individual songs. It takes you out of the show a little bit, but you know that doesn't take away from how great the performances are. State of Love and Trust, like we mentioned before, singles is out and it's in theaters. People are aware and attaching themselves to it, and it's a thunderous rendition of this. And really more towards the faster versions of the song. More... In 91, 92, it felt like they were kind of opening it up a little bit, allowing Jeff's bass to really sound out. This didn't have any of that. This kind of sounds like it would fit in with uh, the current modern day state of love and trust. It did, it did, and it's it's too bad our 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 you know shoulder held camera guy from Mural Amphitheater couldn't have made it to this one and done the same thing. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe it's that same guy. Again, yeah, State of Love and Trust, he's, he's already doing some of the speak singing that that, we, that we've come to know and love. And again, I'll, I'll mention again, Mike absolutely rips the solo apart. This is one of the one of the fastest. I mean, this is, he's he's just playing fast. He's, this is Eddie Van Halen, Mike, right here. He's he's absolutely shredding on that thing, that. I know. And uh, there's an Eddie Van Halen moment later yeah. in this set that yeah. I marked. And uh, and why go? There's there's even some like little guitar stuff in the intro that you don't normally get. This it's the first kind of crowd moment where the everyone's like yelling why go home. You kind of get a feel for like oh yeah, there's a lot of people too. here. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I, I thought that was kind of almost weird in a way because it took me it took me aback because I thought to myself doesn't everybody know the songs at this point in time like the call and responses haven't been developed yet that's the only thing yeah. you know the the even flow call and responses and the once call and responses they're you know in some aspects 15 years away from from getting to those points yeah they had not they go has always seemed to put to those parts in the song right and I mean I think why go because they kind of they kind of have that pause and and just allows for Ed to communicate with the audience for a second. That's an easy one to to get a reaction from. And you know, it's so much different because I think they played this at Mural Amphitheater and of course nobody really knows the song. The album is a couple days from being out. Here you get 30,000 people sending back to them. That's cool. Very That's cool. great. Yeah. yeah. After all this, Ed asked for everybody to take a head count and says what he did was really stupid. He just felt like playing with you. I don't know what he's referring to there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So that that's another another thing that's unfortunate. We just mm-hmm. don't have the video for that part. We everything else we we can kind of see and we can kind of notice what he's doing, but uh, that one we unfortunately don't. So Ed at this point says, I just want to say that heroin got me to where I am today, which is a good lead into a song that is about drugs. Uh, I thought this performance of deep was like a great example of an early performance of this song. And the reason why they can't play it in this day and age, I've always thought 
that Deep was a Day Bay song, you know, it just more than any of their other drummers. This just sounds like 1992 era. It really does. It does, and it's 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 stone too. Like the way he's playing that that riff, he just doesn't play it like that anymore. It doesn't have the same groove to it, and that and that might be a function of Dave as well. But I, I think around this time they were doing Why Go and Deep back to back a lot. I want to say I haven't haven't gone back and looked at live footsteps and, and put them together, but I think oh, these these were these were kind of like the twin songs kind of here in the early middle part of the set where Why Go the ending you kind of start to get that you know we call it the descent into madness or the spiraling out of control or whatever you want to call it yeah. and that leads right into Deep and yeah that that opening scream in, in Deep is is just like in once it it's earth shattering. And then he, he's doing the little the shake in the mic and getting the little effect on his vocal there. And, yeah, the, the ending of this one. I mean, the, yeah, Deep is not one of my favorite songs. It's not one that I go to, go back to very often. But, yeah, this is, this is one of the better ones, absolutely. Did you see a guy in the background? He's hanging out by Dave A. He has no shirt <laughs> oh, on. I, I was wondering when we were going to get to this. Yes, I, okay. I gave him a name. Well, he, we've actually, we know who it is, and, and which is funny because now I can't remember what his name actually is, but when the Freels came on our show, they, t- they talked about him, and they specifically said, that's the guy who's dancing and jumping around all over the place. There's a mm-hmm. story that they told about a jacket that he gave Ed or that Ed gave him. I'm not quite sure of the details. It would have been nice to know exactly where it was so I can go back and, and listen to it. But we had so much footage from that whole, you know, time interviewing them that I wouldn't even, even know where it had gone. But that is somebody that was friends with the band, obviously, because he was on stage. Yeah. But, like, within the scene. He was a scene mm-hmm. a scene guy. So he steals the show. I mean, he is, he's got the long hair. He's got the little little goatee thing going on, little chin, chin beard there. He doesn't I mean Pearl Jam could have put him on payroll. Exactly. He's dancing around, jumping. He's he's I, I, I call him Grunge Dude. So we can just yeah. that's what I'm gonna call him is Grunge Dude. Yeah, that alright. That, that's fair. I you know, something's coming to my mind that is making me think his name is Jerry. Okay. But I have no I, I I'm not going off of anything. Hmm. I'm trying to base this off of memory from our conversation from four or five months ago right, which is right. you know i can't i can't remember last last week or the the I, I can't remember the last time we spent the day that that we didn't deal with covid I, right that's a long time ago so this that's what we're talking yeah, about yeah no but, nobody's um, having a better time than that dude at the show oh yeah oh yeah he's he's the life of the party right there for sure we get into their biggest hit or what's blossoming into their biggest hit at the time, Jeremy. As far as the song goes, I feel like this this the rise to stardom with the song was almost instant because you have a story to go along with the video that was almost more important than the song in a way, the the visuals and and that aspect. And that attached to a lot of people because it was subject matter that really didn't get talked about a lot within, you know, high platforms, within the media, within uh, wherever. This, these were just things that you, you would talk to maybe your friends about or read in a magazine or a newspaper somewhere, but nobody would put this kind of press coverage on something as serious as a school shooting. Yeah, it wasn't really until Columbine that that became like a national issue. You know, the story is Ed just found a clipping in the newspaper 
and yeah, yeah, just just on you know page six or whatever, you know, just a little blurb, and that's the story of the video. It was like, you you do this, and that's all you're gonna get. You know, that that's kind of the moral that people lost around this whole thing, and you know, it, the I, I was kind of surprised that this didn't get a big crowd reaction. I was expecting the big roar that you know we of recognition that we normally get from Jeremy, but I didn't really hear it in this. Yeah, I, I think it's still mm-hmm. maybe it's just that song to a lot of people at this yeah. point because it, it's still it's probably in very heavy rotation on MTV. But it's probably people are probably saying, "Oh, I recognize that bass. That's that's a song I, I heard last night on on Headbangers Ball." And the single, I, the single I think came out the next week. I think it came out the twenty seventh. Yes. And yes. I think Ed he does this thing where he puts he he puts a little finger gun in his mouth. Like maybe making a reference to the video because it was censored by MTV. They they right. didn't show the the kid putting the gun in his mouth, so maybe he's trying to, to highlight that the, the, the that part of the song and kind of get that point across. But yeah, just a, a very interesting performance. You know, Jeremy's kind of like you know it's another one that now when it comes up we just kind of skim over it. But these that would be another interesting one. I'm, I'll, I'll plug the Evolution episode again. This would be a really interesting one to do. Well, I think my favorite things about 1992 Jeremy are just is Daddy, daddy, give attention. Yeah. The, like the speak that. singing is back, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's definitely my favorite moment from all this. And then Ed shrieking the... <laughs> and it sounds like he's having convulsions or something like that <laughs> while Jeff is behind him just... It's, it's almost like he stepped on a remote and just made him go lose... Um, Control and then Je- motor functions. Yeah, yeah, essentially right. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of good visual aspects in here that just make this so appealing and make this so memorable. That's that's one of them. Uh, obviously, Jeremy's going to be a highlight from this, so it, it works all out. So, it, this is interesting though because they they end the song afterwards. They tee up Black by saying, "We stopped playing the song." for a really long time because it's a bit hard to sing. If you can help out, it would be really cool if you want to try something. Now, it's funny because I went back and I looked at the stats for Black, and they must be meaning, Ed must be meaning back in 1991. I think so. Right? Yeah, because we talked about that the mural episode. Right, because after that mural show, they were playing it all the time, and they basically... You know, even for the songs like Wash and Release that and, and Oceans that didn't get played at Lollapalooza, Black was still in the mix for being maybe a more emotional song. And that's the one that they would put right in the spot, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was referring to. Yeah. Because they played it at at off ramp and then didn't play it for six or seven months. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is crazy. Just crazy. To even yeah. think that they would even disregard the song like that. But during the first verse. What what do you think is happening here? Because Ed seems like he's having a difficult time getting through it. And he kind of pauses, clutches his chest, and he kind of stops singing a little bit. be going through his head try and speculate but try how do we do this speculation without you know 
either poking a bear or... Uh, oh, yeah, you're, you're not going to get me to speculate about Black. So many people have tried. He, I know. He's never given any hints as to anything about it. Like, yeah, I'm, you, I, you're not going to bait me into that one. Well, now there's the story. I don't know if you saw the story, but some, some girl called in a radio station mm. and said that Ed, Ed wrote Black about her while they were they were hooking up, which is yeah, total, no, utter bullshit. You just want attention. I'm sorry about that. You just want attention. That song is 100% not about that. We don't have all the full details, but we can tell you those aren't it. Um, yeah, so what, like, how do you see a moment like this? Like, even after all the stuff and all the energy that they came on uh, to start the show with, now you're getting this big emotional song, and it's one of the ones they have that, that's like this, one of the only ones. So how do you see this moment? I see this. It's just one of those things that draws you into the song. Like you know that he's feeling something, you know that he's drawing on something from deep within, and it it just pulls you in closer. And like I, like I've said before, this was immediately my favorite song on ten. Like this is this is the one, and yeah, it's just it's it's just so good, and there's so much behind it, and the mystery to it, and they they wouldn't make a video for it. They didn't want it to be overplayed, and that just kind of adds to the the legacy of it. it it's never. It never went the way of Even Flow or Jeremy or Alive. Like it's always special every time they play it, and that that just goes to the the power of the song. It's a, the lyric is amazing. The the guitars are amazing. It's it's just it's one of their best songs. I mean, it, it's in there. It's in the top two or three. The way that I attributed this version was, I thought that this was kind of the electric version of the Unplugged. Okay. Because you get the very passionate surrounded by some kids at play you get the very passionate we belong together tag there are a lot of similarities between the two and i you know look we haven't listened to a lot of the lollapalooza shows from then i don't know exactly what he was doing and what he was mimicking if that was a thing where after unplugged he said all right well let's just do the unplugged version or do they hold out for big moments to do that Hmm. Yeah, it could have been because, yeah, that was so iconic. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a question, though. What was in the cigarette that Dave A gave to Jeff? That's that's the real question. Ooh, I'm going to guess a little spliff. Could be. Yeah. Could be. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good eyes. Jeff Jeff goes up on the on the drum riser, and Dave, like, in between, like, kind of, like, with with the drumstick in one hand and the, the cigarette in the other, kind of, like, reaches out, and Jeff grabs it. Yeah, there's a little they, – they, they do a little pass – Pass of something there, but Jeff, <laughs> Jeff pass. on this song, like it again. I, I don't, you don't normally, but we talk about Ed and Mike so often. When we talk about Black, but the bass really stood out at the end for me. Like Jeff is just awesome at the end of the song. He's doing some really nice stuff and some melodic stuff that you normally get. It sounded really, really good. You know, I, I, I just want to say this about Dave A. Dave A is a champion when it comes to just playing with a cigarette in his mouth. He has <laughs> yeah. made. He has made that his staple. <laughs> All right, great version of Black, and you're sort of you're sort of building here. I feel like something is building, something is stewing, and you're anticipating that something big is about to happen. So, before we get to all of it, Ed kind of talks to the crowd again. He acknowledges the crowd. So, did it feel like a free show? That's what I want to know. <laughs> It's weird in this day and age, you got insurance companies and lawyers 
and mayors and all these people are gonna fuck up rock and roll in the end. So there were certain things you had to do, like tickets and buses, and we tried to make it as easy as possible. We hope it was all right. And last Sunday was the last day of Lollapalooza. We were down in California, and when we saw the picture in the newspaper of all of you lined up, I don't think any of us could breathe for a few minutes. It kind of freaked us out. So all of your efforts and all your sore legs, it's all appreciated. We don't take any of it for granted. And don't forget to vote, because if you don't vote, you can't complain about the outcome. Remember that. I love that line because I feel like I've been saying that before I even knew this line existed. That's right. That's 100% true. And another, that feels like kind of an almost an iconic Ed moment in a way. Maybe that people don't even think about because he's he's trashing on, you know, the establishment. He's saying they're trying to hold back rock and roll. And he's, you know, talking about the things that he did in favor of the crowd just to get them there. And it's almost a way that he's able to say we, we overcame in certain aspects, this could be drop in the parks version of the "You Survived Today" from Pink Pop. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, hey, yep. that, we got that. that Pink Pop one is the is the one. You know, it was it was on the that Ocean CD. So let's not think so many times memorized it. And this one is yeah, it's right there, just as good. And that uh, that'll get you in a good good version of a live that we unfortunately don't have video of. The stuff that we have video of, that's the stuff that I, I took the most notes for. And look. We get a really good version. We get a War Pigs tag at the end, and, and I think that's starting to become a more common occurrence back then where you're just kind of getting it, you know, I guess through most of the Lollapalooza shows. And it is interesting to see that Alive hasn't made its way to the finale of the set yet. This is yeah. sort of, it's it's moving its way down. It, it used to be played about third or fourth, and now it, it's getting to about seven, eight kind of territory, and, and soon it will be... Uh, very soon it'll be the end of the show. So yeah, but it, it was. You, there there was that? another showstopper. Like a, there, there was a changing of the guard in the in the showstopper around ninety four, ninety five, is when things really started to change. But we're we're gonna get to it in a couple of songs. I'm not gonna spoil it, but the the showstopper is coming. It's coming. Yep. That's that's you know that's why I don't want to linger on some of these. Look, Garden's up next, and Garden is really really good. I really like this version of Garden. And it leads me to kind of, you know, Mike is, you mentioned Eddie Van Halen before. It feels like Mike is pulling out a ton of signature Eddie Van Halen stuff in this. Not, not, not the video game, like actual Guitar Heroes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's on another level on this one. He, yeah, Garden is, is another one where he's just ripping, shredding a solo on this. It's, you, you don't normally get that 
you know, nowadays. It's very, very different. Take away the reverb and the delay. Is Garden one of their most metal songs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a headbanger. Yeah. I, I felt like this version of Garden was kind of like the sound Garden mm-hmm. version that we talked about bit. from the, the early two thousands where they did it. Avocado. It had a little bit, and which is funny because I think we said the same thing at the mural show. We did. That's right. So, uh, evolution on Garden. Anybody? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> It'd be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to tell you something, John. Can Can I tell you something? Go ahead. I I just I just want to say one thing. One, two, three, four. What the fuck is this world? Run into you today. Leave a message at least I Gonna lend your voice one last time. Daily mind feel this good. Be my time by your hood. Would you hit me? Would you? Would you hit me? This is this is classic fast porch, and this is when we talk about the differences between porch, fast porch, and slow porch. This is like this is like Papa Bear fast porch, and then there's porch even in like late '90s that could be like okay that that's Mama Bear, and then slow porch from the 2000s is kind of Baby Bear where you're kind of. You're, you're doing bluesy and you're, and you're sort of picking up the pace a little bit before you get into it. This is this is among the elite. This is amongst the crowd that is top tier when it comes to versions of this. Absolutely. I mean, this is. I'll, I'll always go back to you know people know Atlanta '94 is is the one, but this one is is one A one B. It really this, is because you get and it seems like. After even the first verse, they're already going into tearing, and it's it's not just the lyrics; they they go into actual the actual music of tearing. Like the song actually right. changes completely into it, and you know that you're you're in for something. Tear each other apart 
that's crazy because I almost thought for a second, was there an edit in the video? Because there's no way. They never do a tag this early on in ports. They usually wait until Mike's done with his, his mm-hmm. you know, his sh- showing off. And it's just interesting how that all played out because there's so many moments that you can break down from this performance where, yeah, they do tearing. Then they kind of go back into a more traditional uh, bridge of porch, and then they kind of do something else when Ed is trying to to throw the mic up. Right. They're they're going into something totally different. Then when Ed is up there, that's something totally different as well. There, this is like this is almost turning into an opus of some sort here. If you want to call it porch, it's the showstopper. It's the theatrical version. You see him kind of like that that part like after they they get out of tearing. You see him kind of looking around, like he's gauging the the landscape to see like what what can I what's my move here? What am I gonna do? And he looks up, and there's there's kind of a when he, he's he's kind of back like a little bit from the front of the stage, and he looks up, and you you see kind of the the little moment of of in his head like oh okay, I, I can do that. Right. And then, yeah, he's and and Stones just going nuts, and they're he's he's kind of improving those lyrics, you know, the we are the ones, and then they get a little change, 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 which is very cool. And then, yeah, he just the band just kind of I think they all kind of realized what he was doing, and they're like, okay, we've got to go into like hold, we got to go into holding pattern here. And you saw the crew too, yeah, the crew members yep. taking the mic stand yep. out of the way, mm-hmm. and then at one point. Ed, the, the mic came down and Ed didn't catch it. I think it went into the crowd and, and a crew member had to retrieve it right, from there. Right, right. If I'm not mistaken. It, it, I couldn't it, tell. It takes him two or three times at least to throw that thing over there. He, yeah, he, he gets it over and then and then it is on. Yep. Let's go climbing. I mean, you can tell a timeline of go back to Pink Pop 92 and then take that whole entire summer and see what Ed's antics he would do, where he would climb, when he would jump in certain places. There are a lot of those. This is an every night thing. This is the quintessential one. This is the one. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. You, you guys have seen the picture before. You, if, you, if you're if you a Pearl Jam fan or a quote-unquote Pearl Jam fan and you have not seen the picture, then I don't think your eyes are open because how can you not? I think it was on the cover of a book recently, right? It was. That's a little uh, a little plug for yeah. not for you, Pearl Jam in the present tense, written by Ronnie Jaboni, which you can buy on buyallrecords.com. How about that? And I believe it's ten percent off. Excellent. Just live on Four Legs uh, promo code when you when you check out, and if you buy it, you will get a live on Four Legs sticker sent to you as well. Very so, cool. But yeah, this is one you know, just like that, just like that Atlanta one. You you almost want to just go minute by minute and just describe it minute by minute. And this one is like uh, yeah. it's twelve minutes long, I think, a little over twelve minutes. And you almost, I almost just want to do like a minute by minute breakdown because there's so much going I on. Mean, unfortunately, like it's hard to do the play by play for that because you really have to get the visual mm-hmm. of him climbing up the scaffold and then it almost the camera kind of loses him for a second and then you know whether he went to go sneeze or like you know fix something in his pocket the next point that he brings the camera back up it's basically uh, on the monkey bars yeah he's and, basically and the, the crowd too there's that 
there's that surge of crowd recognition when he yes. when he gets up on the, the the monitor, the speaker, and they're like, okay, they're like, <laughs> whoa, this is gonna be something. Right. And yeah, he's going upside right. down, and he's and he's he's holding on, but he's he's got the microphone like hanging at the perfect thing where he can just kind of like reach That's out not and a good harness. Yeah, it's like, and he's I think he says something like he says, oh, I can see the world from here. <laughs> Oh, it's it's very cool. One of one of the iconic Pearl Jam moments in their history. You know, when he's dangling there, the band just sort of, they sort of stop. And I don't know yeah. if they're marveling yeah. or just fucking worried that they're about to lose another lead singer. Yeah, that, that's that stone I, quote from PJ20. It's just, I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now. I have a freaking, somebody made me a, uh, a, a little, like, wood thing that has Ed, it's like a silhouette of Ed hanging from it. And hanging hanging on my wall and it's just it's so iconic and, and you know it's just funny because the way that we see the video and the way that we see the image are so much different you get the image from behind the stage and I'm not sure if I remember who the photographer was for that do you know yeah who no was? I didn't go back and look yeah but I mean it's I, I think it has to be you know along with the Ed and Jeff back to back from mm-hmm. Pink Pop. Yep. That's that's probably the most iconic photo. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Ed is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's going through his head. I'm not even going to try. But the way that the band kind of plays into this and they build up the tension with what they're doing in the music and there's a point where Ed is climbing to get back down. And they sort of, it's almost like a dun-dun, 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 and they're waiting for it. And then finally Ed gets back, he's able to jump, and starts uh, swinging across the stage. And when you thought, okay, that could be one of the worst things that he could do, just hanging from the rafters like that, there's not much else that he can do to, to, to just scare the pants off you. He starts swinging on the microphone wire. Those microphone wires, I'm sure, are not built to do that. Right. I would not recommend that at home. I mean, yeah, he looks like if you've seen those, you know, you've seen the in movies and stuff where there'd be like the kids out in the country, like on the rope swing, like into the river. He looks like yeah. he's on one of those like rope swings, but you, you kind of have to click back in your head, like that's a mic cord. Like yeah. that is, and he and he, he slides down it all, like a fireball. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. And then he, he ends up diving into the crowd, which I'm sure caused a huge surge in the crowd. And yeah, oh my right. God, it's just it's just pure manic energy. He's back on stage, and he's just back to singing the rest of Porch, and he finishes yeah. off the song. Everybody, and everybody exhales, and then yeah, yep. And the rest is history. I wonder how many times he did something like that after this moment. I don't think a lot because. There weren't a lot of shows left in 92. Mm-hmm. There were a couple in Hawaii and then the, the bridge and the New York, uh, the New York New Year's Eve show. Right. But 93 comes around. They're playing to a bit bigger crowds and 
you know, more of like 5,000, 10,000 uh, club uh, theaters. So he doesn't get the opportunity to do things. If, if anything, he's maybe climbing on an amplifier or something. Yeah, I think this was. I don't. I don't. It obviously wasn't the last time, but I, I, I will say it was probably the beginning of the end. Because where do you go from this? Like, what else? Right. What else are you gonna do? Like, I think the. You know, we don't. We don't have the video. Evidently, there's video, but in Atlanta, you know, he drops the the mannequin down as kind of like a, a meta kind of joke on it. You know, everyone thinks that that that's him falling from the from the rafters, but that that was really, I think, the one of the last times. But yeah, I think '93 at it. There's just there's just not many not many chances for it. I think you're you're right, and this is probably the beginning of the end of it. And also, like he's always been somebody that's just okay. I, I've done that now. Let's What's move next? on to the yeah. next phase. Fi- like let's focus on, and really for him, it's let's focus on getting new songs out there, yeah. and let's focus on on playing and, and getting people into this, uh, our new music. Yeah, he was playing more so, guitar starting in 93 with some of the Versa yep. stuff. So, yeah, definitely. All right. Ed is in speaking position and says, just casually, like not addressing the, the, the elephant in the room over there of what he just did. He's just like, oh, this is the first time we've been playing in Seattle for a really long time, so it's cool to see you all here. Oh, fuck you, Ed. Come on. Yeah, you're not even gonna just relish in this and just be like, "Hey, I'm safe, you guys." Like that was fun. Like he acts like it didn't even happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, to be young. Yeah, right. I I'm sure I did stupid ass shit like that when I was young too. Yep. But I didn't have thirty thousand people watching me do it. That's the difference. Right. He says he's not much of a public speaker, which we all know is bullshit. <laughs> so they're gonna play a song called Sonic Reducer. Only the fifth performance of Sonic Reducer. And they're not in, intertwining a whole lot of covers at this time. Rocking in the free world a little bit. Baba a little bit. I've got a feeling a little bit. Sonic Reducer feels like it was the fourth cover to really make an impact on the project. Yeah. And maybe if you want to count Suggestion too, but that was, mm-hmm. you know, in the same light as Tearing. Right. And I mean, and, and think about it. For a lot of us, it was was the first one because they recorded it in August of 92 for the Christmas single and it came out on the single that year so it was one of the first ones that a lot of people heard yeah that that makes sense you know changes the line in here too you know obviously did some interviews with MTV for this I got my time machine I got my MTV Um, shout out shout out to Dire Straits there yeah Uh, the next year I don't think he would even say jack shit about MTV I think he's pretty much done with MTV after this yeah doesn't really have there's no love lost between the two there but I mean they're still full of energy you give them so much credit Porch could have been the finale and they're like nope alright we're just gonna do two more songs and, and that's your fill of it like that's that's more than enough which really you could have ended on Porch and said that's the most amazing show that I've ever been to I'm satisfied like that's satiated enough for me yeah. you know yeah yeah, this just feels like a bonus. Right, right. Just, and and it's kind of a wind down too, because the, nothing. There's no crazy antics during this. They're just fun, good performances. Again, we have video. The recording quality of these songs are not great, but they're there. It's something. It's '92. We'll accept anything. Uh, and he says that right before getting in to uh, Rock and the Free World, good thing about playing here is that you can see everyone in the way back, and he kind of does. 
you know, his little like looking out in the distance thing. The drums start to pound, intro to rocking in the free world. Ed starts singing, the United States ain't a free place. It ain't a free, uh, free peaceful place, which is an interesting little way to, to get into that song. And uh, just an intense version. Early versions of rocking in the free world are very intense with those just pounding, pounding drums in the beginning. And, and uh, Dave really kind of makes a statement whenever he plays it back then. I just wrote that this was like a really unique version. It's, uh, it, we kind of get like a, they've kind of standardized it as they've they've gone on and, and kept on playing it. But they, it's like they weren't really sure what to do with it. Like they knew they didn't want to play it like straight like Neil Young, but they weren't sure like what they could how to mess around with it. So they were just kind of trying things. That, there were some extra people on stage. I couldn't tell. Yeah, there were who the, a couple extra guitar players. So a little extra there and Ed just well, bouncing think- around. It was very cool. I'm not sure if I'm right by this, but so Ministry's drummer was there. Bill Rifflin okay. was there. And I think he filled in for Dave. So I think one of those guys that grabs a guitar is Dave. Could be. And then the other guy is uh, Bruce Fairweather. Okay. Of Mother right. Love Book. Right. So, uh, you know, that's a nice little, you know, I don't think they've done much with Bruce since the, the breakup of the band. Yeah, I think he, he makes a couple of appearances throughout the years, but not very often. You're right. Right, especially in, in the latter days. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, at least back then, like, I, I, I feel like everybody, they have a connection that, you know, they were in a band together, it didn't work out, and everybody's just kind of hoping for the best with this. And you can see that, you know, he's cheering on his friends there, and they're able to give him a moment to celebrate in front of a huge crowd that maybe... We talk about it a lot when we talk about shows that maybe Andy would have liked. Right. This is, oh, I yeah. think, a show that Andy would have really liked. Definitely. And do you think he would have climbed to the rafters? Oh, I think he would have been out in the crowd from from yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see the thing with him. I don't think he wanted to stop singing. I don't think he wanted to stop performing. Yeah. yeah. I think that the music was was within him, and I think that that channeled all of his energy to whatever he was doing on stage. I don't think he was focused on anything else. Wow. All right. That was that was awesome. And uh, obviously a lot of historic moments there. There's one that stands out. I wonder what it is. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to do a top three? Or we can do, do a top just... three. Uh, yeah, we can do that. All right. Then, okay. Um, then I'll give you – I'll give it – an open floor. You can pick either songs. You can pick moments. You can pick pieces of moments. What, what do you, what, what do you take away the most from this? My my number three is uh, Mike McCready's guitar. 
Cool. We definitely got to work out on this. One of one of the unsung heroes that that, that guitar did did some work uh, during this thing. I'm surprised it he didn't either smash it or it didn't like spontaneously combust at the end of this. So that's my number three. Number two is black, and number one by a mile. I mean, come on, it's a showstopper. Do I even have to say? So you're just it's, going grand, it's, it's grand scheme, just the whole entire, all twelve minutes of this. Yeah, everything that's yeah, it's it's showstopper, iconic performance. I mean, well, what else can that? I mean, that the, the bit of tearing was like immediately. You're like, whoa, okay. And all the stuff like the the line, like I can see the world from here. The stuff at the end, the rope swinging, just unbelievable performance. That number one, but number one by a mile. All right, my MVPs from this show. Ed's arms, the microphone wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out, I'm, I'm sure, pour one out for my boy, the mic. Uh, I'm sure it did not see, it, oh, it had seen better yeah. days and did not see much more work afterwards. I hope that's in a Hall of Fame somewhere or in the Mopop or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just going to give the nod to everything that was involved with Porch. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll give that 30,000 there, like that can't be discounted at all. And getting all those people in that place all at once and the work and the effort that it took to, to get them all there, seeing how hard it was four months before and even how harder it was in that moment to get them all there. Like that's, that's so telling of what, of their power and what they were able to do as a band at that time. And going forward, they'll, they'll know that in these kind of situations, if we do have the power to do something like this again, either playing shows at the more where they can just show up one day and call themselves the piss bottle men to, uh, I don't know, just any TV appearances, whatever, controlling their own destiny, essentially like they have it made from this point forward. There's they, they're not a legacy band by any stretch in 1992, but boy, are they the, the hottest thing on the planet and nothing is going to stop them. So, yeah, I mean, Porch is obviously number one. The iconic image and, uh, like, of course, there, there's nothing else. This this show is called Drop in the Park because it's very literally Drop in the Park, even though they came up with the title before Ed even kind of came to that conclusion that he was going <laughs> to go up there. Yeah, so. Yeah. so call that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Is Yeah, I would say. So... A rating for this show is not difficult because it, yeah, yeah I, I think we can just double digit this and, and just kind of sail it up to the top. What I do want to bring up here is where does this stand within a historical context, within the most important moments that they've had, within the most important shows that they've had? Is this, you don't have to give me a number, but is this top 10? Yes, that when yeah, top ten absolutely. Yeah, I I think I'm pretty sure I, I don't know how it couldn't have been. Uh, this was in our top thirty for thirty that we did the thirty year anniversary mm-hmm. thing that we did. We picked thirty moments. I I don't know how this wouldn't have been in it. I just don't remember exactly what I said for it. But I mean, everything that was big was there, and and this is one of the things when you think Pearl Jam and you think the early nineties, this kind of sums a lot of things up and this answers a lot of questions tells a lot of stories and uh yeah defines them it really does yes i mean that they they made a point to include it on the 
like they press it on vinyl for that 10 reissue box set that was a big deal that was the first one of those they yeah i mean it it cannot be understated this this might be even be top five that's that's a good debate and i'm not i'm not ready to have that debate i feel like my you know my knowledge is good on this and and it just needs to get better and i think i need to listen to all thousand plus bootlegs to really give an educated opinion on that but yeah i mean top 10 is 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 not far off like if it's not top 10 i don't know where it is so all right we did that and that was cool that was very cool i love when we get to these historic moments and we can kind of build to those and and really dig in and make them feel special i hope that we achieve that today uh next week i hope we achieve the making a show that you might not even known existed a state that they played in that you might not even have known existed that they played in this state they played lincoln nebraska in 2014 that's going to be the show that we do and i didn't know a lot about this show before learning a little bit is it a special show it might be for everybody everybody has a different take on every single show so for curtis hames it may be more special than drop in the park you just don't yeah. know because well we'll know next week because he'll be telling the story so yeah that was kind of that run of like the moline and, and milwaukee kind of that same yeah. little run so the all the other ones from that little mini tour got get overshadowed but yeah i'm looking forward to digging into that one. it's gonna be fun yep again under sometimes you just got to go with the underrated we talked about it very early in 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 the show you got to talk about the underrated shows along with the shows that are very obvious today was an obvious one next week not so much so it's kind of a it's going to be a cool down after two weeks of talking about very popular famous shows now we're going to get to one that maybe we can just enjoy the boot we can just enjoy you know what they were doing musically at the time in 2014 and and you know mid lightning bolt tour It'll be interesting. Yep. I think we'll I think we'll find things to love. Yep. And I think uh, if you join us, I think you'll find things that you'll like as well. So any parting words before we uh, we officially say goodbye? I mean, yeah, hopefully by the end of this this year, you know, Seattle's going to start feeling like home, even though um, you and I are on the other side of the country. We're about as far away as we can get. But it, get, getting to do these Seattle shows is starting to feel like a little bit of a homecoming for us, too. So looking forward to getting to the next one. Yep, and then when we can go, you know, way later in 2021, we can tie something together because the Seattle Kraken is going to be an official (laughs) hockey team. So I'm sure a lot of people are very excited about that, especially the people that really wanted the Supersonics back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I will I will admit I want the Kraken to succeed because why the hell not I wanted them to be called the Seattle Grunge but what the hell do I know apparently a sea monster is much more interesting for a team name so that's that's all I got for this one guys uh, we will see you next week this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways I miss you already and I miss you always hey do you have a minute you just listened to our show for what an hour and a half or so why don't you go on to Apple Podcast. If you follow us on Apple Podcast, subscribe to us, download, go and leave us a five-star review. Click on that five stars. If you like the show, obviously you're tuning in and you probably want to tune in next week. You probably want to tune in to see our other 114 episodes that we've done if you haven't tuned in before. So leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. It'll help. It'll help bring other Pearl Jam fans into listening and enjoying and appreciating what we can do for this community. It 
you know, a compliment for us is a compliment for you. That's all we can say. So, and if you're not subscribed, please subscribe because subscriptions are very, very important as well. It'll download right to your phone and then we'll just creep up. It's like creeping in your DMs, but, you know, nicely. So, all right. We'll be back next week. Lincoln, Nebraska, 2014. See you all then. I can see the world from here. Okay, we're here in Seattle. This is a drop in the park. And uh, if you drop in the park, you can drop in the grass. You can drop in here. Wow, look at that. Um, uh, you can pretty much drop anywhere. It's a free show. It's a free atmosphere. Uh, it's taken a while to actually make it happen, but we did make it happen. We went through the mayor, and first he said no, and then everyone else in the community said yes, and so he had to say yes, which is a great example about voting, because that's the other reason we're here is to register people for November. And um, it's great that everyone proved that they can make a difference, and uh, maybe you'll get them excited about doing it come November.